What's popping, everyone? Welcome to episode 52 of the Flea Flicker NFL Show. I'm your host, Uri Umar, and I'm, again, once again, joined by my co-host, Amal Ronak. What's up, Amal? What's up, Arib? Lots to be talking about this week when it comes to these two NFC, uh, to the two, I should say, championship games. I don't know why I said NFC. The two championship games happen between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers and the Buffalo Bills against the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll go into that. And then after that, uh, we'll give our Super Bowl predictions, of course. And then uh, around the league, what news has been happening? We'll do the news last this time because there's just there's a good amount to talk about when you when you when we're talk, coming through with these uh these last games. yeah these yep. last championship games of the year. So um yeah, we can hop right into it. Yeah, and I think we should start with the most irrelevant game of the week. And it's crazy because it was the championship weekend, but there was definitely an irrelevant game here, Amal. And it started off not 100%. being irrelevant, but. Uh, it it didn't end that way. And so Kansas city hosted Buffalo and Buffalo lost 24 to 38. And really the, 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 really the biggest takeaway from this is that Kansas city is an expert when it comes to making us forget that they were losing by double digits at any point in the game. Cause they were down nine to zero in the first quarter and then second quarter scored 21 to three. And they just took the lead ever since never looked back. And when, he, when you look at it, honestly, I think Josh Allen played decent. But when I just watched the game, it was just the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator. So he just able to rally his defenses late in the season. And he did this last year as well. They're, the Kansas City Chiefs defense last year in 2020 or 2019, they were sort of average. And then late in the season, they picked it up and they were easily a top 10 to even maybe even a top eight defense in the league. And similarly, they did the same thing here. They literally had probably their best defensive performance of the game. Stefan Diggs completely sort of annihilated him from the game plan. I didn't really see Stefan Diggs do anything the entire game. I'll be straight up honest. I know he had six uh, receptions, 77 yards, but it didn't look like it. He didn't have the impact on the game that Stefan Diggs normally does have. And it's kind of weird because if I look at like the Chiefs overall as a whole, their secondary, other than Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, who's literally like a perennial All Pro safety, they don't have a lot of like elite, elite talent back there. But Steve Spagnuolo is able to coach these guys up, and I think I've doubted the Chiefs a lot for their offense, and because I thought there were stretches where they just performed really poorly, and that was questionable, but I've got to give them credits for their defense on this performance. And then this game, because they were able to do something that I didn't think they could do, which was shut down Josh Allen and this chief's high flying passing game. Yeah. So for me, I, I thought this game was, this game was exactly how I panned out. I'll be honest. I mean, I like, I, I, I even predicted uh, entering into the, this week uh, that I, the, the Chiefs Bills game, I thought the gap was going to be wider than the Bucks, uh, the Bucks Packers game, and that that that's exactly what happened. I thought Josh Allen would play maybe slightly better than he did the last time, and I thought he did play slightly better than he did the last time. Once again, led his team in rushing yards, 88 yards on the ground, 287 yards, two picks, so two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, I mean, Cole Beasley is playing. He he's a he's a warrior man playing through. He had a broken fibula, and uh, he's been playing through that injury. You can even see him. He exited the game quite a couple mm-hmm. times, too. 
and uh, that that was just amazing. He was he led the he led the team in uh, receiving yards. Stephon Diggs got uh, I mean seventy seven yards on six receptions. I can say he pretty much got shut down, man. I, I mean he he was uh, I I did not see a lot of Stephon Diggs this game. And people for people saying that he was like the best receiver on the field. I mean, hey man, I think Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill just proved why they 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 clearly have the wide receiver advantage and the receiving corp advantage and uh shout out to mccall hardman as well he had the the muffed punt in the game as well and uh that led of course to the bills only touchdown on the game only uh i guess not only touchdown the they had another touchdown but um that led to a touchdown that that drive which led them the score to be nine zero uh to end the quarter and uh Nicole Hardman bounced back and he got a touchdown of his own. He had a 50 yard run as well on a sweep. Um, yeah, I think the chiefs Patrick Mahomes showed up and uh, he did the, he got the job done. And uh, now they're off to the Super Bowl. I think, like you said, even though you picked the bills, this game was, I think quite irrelevant because uh, as good as Josh Allen is, I don't think he's still yet there on towards the, the remaining of the top, I guess the top three running, top three quarterbacks, top four quarterbacks, but he is right. He, he's very close to it, but he, it's just not there yet. And on top of that, I think the Bills are just not a better team than the Chiefs. Maybe. Uh, I think that's what this game came down to. Yeah, I think that honestly, because even the Chiefs defense, they they, they really stood out to me. I, I, I'm surprised by the way they performed out there. And uh yeah, I, 287 passing yards for Josh. I mean, this was the first time also Josh Allen threw a pick in the red zone. I didn't even see that happening. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just in general, I think I, I the Bills, I, they just have to step up their game at the end of the day. And uh, the Chiefs stepped up their game, and they got the job done. I have an honest question for you, Omar, right? If you take away Travis Kelsey from this Chiefs team, is there another offense that takes a bigger hit in the entire league? Because I just every time I watch, I watch Travis Kelsey, and he's not the greatest blocker. He's not like a prime Gronk who was, you know, a well-rounded could block, was an elite receiver and all that. But his receiving game is right up there. And when I watch Travis Kelsey, I just can't help but flashback to prime Gronk, where, you know, just multiple touchdowns. He's always open for a first down. Like he's just very almost his route running for someone of that size, six, six, five, probably two fifty ish. His route running for that size is bonkers. And then he has the size on top of it. He has the hands, he has speed. I mean, they used them on a shovel pass. I believe again, this game to score a touchdown. Um, I think just overall the key to this chief's offense. I know Patrick Mahomes is an amazing quarterback. And I, I know, especially on this show and, Amongst our friend group, I usually sort of talk shit about Patrick Mahomes, and I, I sort of try to downplay his achievements. He is a great quarterback, but I've got to wonder, without Travis Kelsey, if this offense would be the same. And I think, no, I'd say Travis Kelsey is probably the MVP of this offense just because I think he opens everything up. He opens up the short game. He opens up the mid game, and then he opens up the deep game with Tyreek Hill, Mikhail Hardman, Sammy Watkins, all these guys. I've just got to give massive credit for Travis to Travis Kelsey, and I think he has a legitimate – a very legitimate chance to win the offensive player of the year award. Cause I mean, every time I watch the chiefs, he's unguardable. And I don't think there's a guy like, like him in the league who, who's repeatedly just unguardable. Like, like I said, it's just prime Gronk 
just a rerun of that where no one could cover him. You couldn't put a safety on him. You couldn't put a linebacker on him because a linebacker is too slow. A defensive back is not big enough. Other than maybe Cam Chancellor, who who is a freak of nature, who was a linebacker playing safety, essentially. No one else has been able to cover Gronk and Travis Kelsey as well. And yeah, I mean, just my takeaway, Travis Kelsey is a freak. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Travis Kelsey is a monster, obviously. I, I, I mean, MVP, I think normally we're always tending to say the quarterback. And obviously, if Mahomes isn't playing and they put Chad Henney in, I think the build, I think the same score would happen flipped. I think that's very fair to say, say right? Mm-hmm. right? Obviously. Um, but yeah, I think you do bring up a valid point. When the quarterback's on the field, I think, Travis Kelsey is definitely the most valuable member on the team. Tyreek Hill, he, he, him and Kelsey, in my opinion, though, are on the same level of unguardable, man. I think I'm saying that only because it's not even just him as the receiver, obviously, because obviously as a receiver, there are better overall receivers. But the speed is like generational speed. I think it, it's just in-game speed. There are players obviously faster than Tyreek Hill. That's not the point. The point is, is the quick end, area burst. It, 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 it's just the burst that he has, right? And, and that, I think that's that's what makes it completely unguardable. He had a, he's gonna have a day in the Super Bowl too. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I mean, I don't even want to. We'll talk about that when we bring up the preview of the Super Bowl coming up. But I mean, nine receptions, 172 yards. Uh, that's that's incredible. And then Kelsey had 13 receptions for 118 yards. Also, and two touchdowns. That's that's incredible as well. I think if you if you you're blessed if you have those two as your receiving targets. I think uh, agreed. I, I don't think Mahomes incredible. even has to do anything spectacular. Like the, the amount of and, and I've got to give credit to Andy Reid for this as well. The amount of pre-snap motion he can use and the way he uses screens and his running backs and Miko Hardman. I mean. The Chiefs' entire draft strategy the last few years has just been to draft fast dudes and, and sign fast dudes to contracts and hope it works because they have a guy who can move the sticks repeatedly and consistently with Travis Kelsey. And all you got to do is toss screen. Like, I'll be honest, watching the Chiefs' offense is kind of boring because at some point it's just them being able to dump it off for like five yards and their player can take it like 50 because they're just faster than everyone else. And it's just the way that this Chiefs team has been built, the way Andy Reid calls plays, the way he – I mean, he brings out the fullest out of all these guys. Like, Miko Hardman, again, like, he was a guy, second-round pick uh, coming out of 2019, and you didn't expect him to step up because you had Demarcus Robinson. You, ha- Yeah, you had Demarcus Robinson. You had Sammy Watkins, who was on a big deal. You have Tyreek Hill. You have all these running backs. I mean, at that point, I believe you had Kareem Hunt. You have Travis Kelsey. But here you are. You're using Miko Hardman to his full potential. And again, just the way he's able to use everyone to his full potential, the way he's developed Patrick Mahomes. I mean, is there any other situation in all that we've ever seen other than maybe the Seahawks early in this century or this decade, rather, where a quarterback has been placed in a perfect situation to win. And I, I don't think there has been, and I've got to give credit to Andy Reed, Steve, uh, not Steve Spagnuolo, but the chiefs organization as a whole for doing that. I think uh, the only one that could probably top it was the Steelers team that Ben uh, Roethlisberger had toward the okay. tail end of his career. He had Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, both number one at their position at the time, but the Steelers defense today isn't the Steelers, same Steelers defense back then. And at the end of the day, that's the only reason why that team didn't work out. 
And uh, Tom Brady was also in that conference. Peyton Manning was in that conference. That was another reason why, obviously, it did not work out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think you, in terms of, yeah, perfect, perfect fit. This is an incredible fit. I think uh, Mahomes has definitely found a home here. That's why he signed that extension for half a billion dollars. And uh, yeah, I think you can expect great things out of, out of the Chiefs for a long time. I mean, long term, uh, obviously Kelsey's getting old, so we'll see how that goes. But I, I appreciate how Kelsey said, uh, he said in a presser, I believe, uh, that he believes Tyreek Hill is the most valuable player on that, on that offense. And uh, that's interesting too, because I mean, Tyreek Hill, as he's he's very good too man i mean it's it's it can honestly go to any of those three three guys man it's it's all very close for me uh but yeah i'm with you i think travis kelsey's the guy and uh i think he'll show it also in the super bowl, in the super bowl. yeah i agree yeah, definitely so uh congratulations to the kansas city chiefs we expect we hoped honestly uh, i'm, I'm a, i like the chiefs i mean i'm, I'm not gonna say i'm a fan of them but <laughs> I, I definitely like the chiefs i'm uh I did not want the Chiefs to repeat that going back to back to Super going back to back because I I always want to see some very variety of uh, teams getting in, even if it's the damn Dallas Cowboys. I don't really care as long as uh, uh, I I just dis- I disagree. With that I, I just want to see I, Eagles shirt. <laughs> no, but the Eagle the it's okay. The Cowboys aren't going to win the Super Bowl. That's 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 the best part of Reeb. The best is when they when they get there, they lose by a game winning field goal. If that happens, that'll be the ultimate present. And I know that that would be like the best <laughs> present on earth. Uh, going 0-16 is a close second. But anyways, I think uh, definitely, I, I mean, you always want to see some new teams. So uh, that's why I wanted Buffalo to win. But I, I mean, I picked the Chiefs. And uh, yeah, the Chiefs once again uh, back into the Super Bowl. And uh, we wish them uh, nothing but the best. We can move on. Yeah, we can move on to the NFC conference. And this was, I want to say it was surprising, but I had a feeling the entire weekend and leading up to it that Tom Brady, the, the stupid, the goat, bro, he he went into Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers' first home NFC championship game, and he won 31 to 26. And I think what it comes down to, there's there's a lot of things I want to talk about this game. And I think you can agree with me. This is the game that needs to be talked about more than any other game or the other game the the bucks what it came down to the bucks just had an elite defense that like on sunday or yesterday yeah they just had an elite defense flat out that defense was able to control Devontae adams for most of the game they're able to make it harder their zone coverages there's lots of plays i watched them all where there would be touchdowns or first downs lots of sort of there was one play in particular where uh, they used the tight end for the Green Bay Packers. Robert Tunyon was lined up as a blocker on the two-yard line. And they, he sort of sifted across the formation. And that was a touchdown. That's been a, that's, they scored that exact play as a touchdown multiple times this season. And the Bucs were able to cover it. And that's what it came down to. This Packers team was the best team in the NFL going into uh, finishing the season and going into this game when it came to converting in the red zone. And the Bucs made it. A living, a living hell, just flat out. They could not score touchdowns. They had to settle for field goals multiple times, and that's what ended up costing them the game. And there's a top, there's definitely a topic, and definitely some things to be said about the refs here. And I, I want to hear what you have to say about the refs because late in this game, there was 
a pass interference called on Kevin King, the cornerback of, of the Green Bay Packers, that led to a first down for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and essentially uh, allowed them to run out the clock and end the game. And again, th- that's one thing we can talk about. We can talk about Matt LaFleur's ta- uh, his Matt LaFleur's decision to not go for it on fourth down and settle for a field goal. But I want to hear your take on the refs as a first one of them all. Yeah. Um, geez, man, I, I, you put me in a spot where I'm going to rant. I, I hate that. Um, but first of all, I want to say congratulations to Tom Brady. It's Agreed. no small feat. I mean, 10 Super Bowls. I mean, people are talking crap about LeBron getting into the amount of championships he's gone into. He's four and six. I mean, dude, shut up. He made it to 10. And Brady made it to 10. I mean, it's it's insane, man. And uh, yeah, incredible stuff from him, man. And yes, he didn't have the best performance of the game. But I mean, that, that second half is probably the worst second worst half of his career, honestly. I can't believe he threw three picks. Uh and I believe it's the first time in 20 years, Arib, that a quarterback has won. The team, the quarterback's team has won when they've thrown three interceptions and a half. It, 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 it like never happens. And, uh, but yeah, man, the Bucks came up to play and Tom Brady and Tom Brady came to play and, uh, he got the job done. And also, it was also a great feeling to see Tom Brady with the sun at, at the, at the post game. Uh, definitely very touching moment there. And uh, yeah, getting into this game though, Aaron Rodgers, honestly, we, we talked about, uh, I mean, we actually don't, we rarely talk about, honestly, the the bias towards players and officiating. We actually don't talk about it. We should be talking about it way more when it comes to like guys like Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and back in the day, guys like Peyton Manning would be getting it. I, I mean, it, uh, Kurt Warner, Brett Favre, Steve, uh, Steve Young even got it. Uh, I mean, I, it, the ref bias is absolutely crazy here in this game. And, but I'll be honest, man, it, the elite of the elite quarterbacks, I guess, just get the calls their way. But I thought Aaron Rodgers is also there that way, but I guess, uh, I guess not, man. I thought Brady the, the, gets that treatment over Rodgers. I, I mean, I, I maybe that's the case because I mean, but even in I don't and throughout his career though, Reeb, I don't see Aaron Rodgers the guy to get crazy amounts of calls. Like I, I've never ever expect like I never thought about it that way. Mainly because the weapons Aaron Rodgers has had in the past five years isn't the best mm-hmm. outside of obviously Devontae Adams. So like when the PI call comes towards him, it's so obvious. It's it's clear as day. But like when you have guys like Marquez Valdez Scanling or these nobodies like Equinemius Saint Brown on your team, I think that that's like another sign of like what why why like just why, and I, I, just in this game, there's so much to talk about Packers, man. But first thing I do want to say, I think this game goes a hundred percent on Matt Lafleur. I think. Uh, Aaron Rodgers definitely on third and goal could have ran it in. I don't know if he would have gotten the touchdown. I disagree with you on that. I don't know if he. I don't know. If, I don't know if he would have got the touchdown. I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished yeah, yet. Fair, I'm fair, not finished fair. yet. I. I don't think. I don't think he would have got the touchdown. I think the throw was okay. I'm just saying he could have ran it. I don't know if he would have gotten any. I don't know if he got the touchdown. I. I don't think he would have. I think it would have been short still. But if he ran it, it would have been a closer fourth down. And that would have inclined the coach to go for it. Fair. All fair games there, right? 
this game was on Matt Lafleur, a hundred percent. I think that you can't, you can't have. It's 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 just like mathematically, it didn't make any sense. They did analytics on this. Uh, you you had a nine and a half percent chance of winning the game when uh, if you go for it, right? If you hit the field goal, you have a ten percent chance of winning the game. So you're telling me that you didn't go for it because you had a half percent chance. You just on pure data analytics, you you'd rather have you. I mean, it it literally made no sense uh, not going for it there because you'd have to get the touchdown anyways. We've we've talked about this so many times throughout that game. It was so frustrating, and I mean, it, like it's the score Aaron Rodgers. He's and, and and yeah, the score ended up. It, the score was thirty-one to twenty-three at the time, and they went for the field goal, so the game was thirty-one to twenty-six. But you have the MVP of the league. Like, if you don't trust the MVP of the league, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And honestly, if Aaron Rodgers didn't make that throw, I you can live with that. I'll be honest. And honestly, I do. I think the the Packers would have gotten the ball back because you're now in the back, you're backed up in the Tampa Bay end zone and they're going to be forced to run the ball because they're not going to, it's going to be a run running game there and they're going to get the ball back. So that had to have been the move in my perspective, even pressure on the line. I don't care. I would have made that call. And I think, I think almost 85% of America would have made the same call that he, that, uh, that I'm thinking of. And that's just giving, give, like, give the ball to Aaron Rodgers, let him dial up his own damn play. And watching the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers uh, interview, I know you watched it right before we entered on this podcast. And dude, I, I, I have just a whole so... segment for that right after this. I'm all, yeah. I got a lot to say. And I'm sure you do as well. Dude, I mean, it, it's just insane. I, you can get it, you'll get, you'll get into it uh, after me, but Oh my goodness! Just like the nonsense that this this that he's been put through. I do want to say first, though. I mean, the Packers defense—they stepped it up in the in the uh in the third quarter, third and fourth quarter, man. I mean, I I don't know what to even say, man. They they, they really played well. Adrian Amos, oh, for hooks. some reason, I don't know. I, I, Adrian Amos got burned a couple times, but dude, Adrian Amos stepped up. Uh, Jair Alexander stepped up, of course, with the two picks. Tom Brady threw some garbage passes. I think, but I think that's age. I think that genuinely is age. I don't cold, think I, 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 I would be dead honest. I think Tom Brady two, even two years ago would have made those type of throws. Um, yeah. And I think that's just age coming in, but um, dude, I think, I think Kevin King, dude, I think. Uh, there was one think, key play. I think going into halftime, there was two seconds left on the clock in the second quarter. And the, the the, the, moron, the moron the moron had one that. job he had one job Arif. one if, job I'm, I'm all, if he if he doesn't allow that touchdown right if he plays good coverage on scotty miller and for those of you who don't know it was like a 50 something yard touchdown to scotty miller to a 39 yard touchdown pass to uh, to scotty miller like who's a rookie wide receiver uh, to essentially, t- I think, make the game 24 to 10 going into half or 21 to 10 going into halftime. If you take that touchdown off, and I know, again, that's just purely hypothetical, but if you take that off, the Packers win the game, at least score-wise. They would have won the game. It's just lots of weird sort of nuances and little details that I feel like the Packers didn't get right. They didn't, uh, like, if we think about the last time Tom Brady lost a key playoff game, I'm not counting the 
the Tennessee Titans who beat them, beat them last year, but in the Super Bowl 2017, Doug Peterson, who was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles at that time, uh, who won that Super Bowl. He was aggressive fourth down. He went for it multiple times. He called a, a trick play on fourth down to score a touchdown. He called late in that game a fourth down on their side of the field, that like their 35 or 40 yard line. He went for it on fourth down to sort of, I mean, he went for it on fourth down. He, went, he had to be aggressive because he knew that you have the goat on the other side and you can't keep stopping him forever. You've got to be aggressive to beat these greats. You've got to be aggressive to beat Tom Brady. You've got to be aggressive to beat Patrick Mahomes because you only get so many chances. And the fact that Matt LaFleur couldn't do that, again, you can own that up to him being a young coach, but at some point, Amal, like you've just got to wonder. And Aaron Rodgers, uh, from his his press conference, he was asked some questions about this. He was asked, like, was it a right decision? And he said, he said it wasn't my decision, but the way he said it and his entire demeanor around dude, that. he didn't back the call. He didn't back the call. Yeah, he, I, you can tell he didn't You can like tell it. he didn't. Dude, no, he definitely did not want that, man. He, he knew even then that he didn't want that call. Come on now. It, it's, it's, it's insane. That the, the call that that he that was made, man. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, like I can even be like Stephen A. doing a rant on this. It's it's, it's ridiculous that I mean you can tell by just the pure the pure uh demeanor of his face and his mood. He he did not he did not want to be there, man. And uh I mean I guess you can talk now about like what you really thought of that, man. It, it's just crazy. Yeah, a key, a few key things about this game though. I've got to give, I think the okay, the biggest difference was I think the Bucks were just a better team overall. I think you can agree with me on that one, but that comes to two sort of two aspects of the game. The defense of the Bucks was just far superior, at least early Way better. Right. Yeah. And second, the offensive lines and David Bakhtiari injury, who's the left tackle of the Green Bay Packers, that definitely had an impact. And it's funny because the entire sort of NFL world overlooked that injury. They said the Packers had the depth. They have players, Elton Jenkins, Billy Turner, who can go in and fill up and fill in, in that position and play good enough football where it won't matter. And we can clearly see J- uh, Jason Pierre Paul, uh, who the defensive pass rusher for the Buccaneers, Shaquille Bear, another pass rusher who led the league in sacks, I believe, last year. Both of them just had a field day. And on the opposite side, Tom Brady had almost no pressure the entire game. You had these great pass rushers, Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, um, Mike Daniels. No, not Mike Daniels. Um, the other guy. I can't, I can't, I can never remember his name. But the other defensive tackle, there's lots of star players on this Packers pass rush, uh, and they couldn't get the job done. They couldn't put, p- apply pressure to Tom Brady. And that's the key to beating Tom Brady in his old age. You got to p- put pressure on him. He's not as mobile as he once was. He can't sort of navigate the pocket the same way. And you got to put pressure on him, and they couldn't. And just flat out, that's what happened. And Rodgers played a better game than Tom Brady, flat out. Lots of people are saying, you know what, t- Rodgers, he chokes in big moments. I don't think he, he had a better choked. game. He had a better, he had a game, better game. He had a and way you better could game. Argue you could have run there, but he made multiple great passes. He was vintage Aaron Rodgers this entire game. He led the team back to uh, for a comeback, and they had an opportunity to tie the game, and the coach didn't go for it. And I just want to talk about the refs real quickly. The refs, yes, yes. The refs yeah, had I, weird call. Okay, so, so for the Packers side, there are multiple, there are multiple instances, and the the commentators for this game were Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and they sort of played it off 
saying that, oh, they're letting the, they're letting the refs are letting the wide receiver and the corners play today. They're just letting them do whatever they want. And there was lots of times where there are literal face masks on players like Aaron Jones, the running back of the Green Bay Packers. There are multiple holding calls. And there was a holding call by Sean Murphy bunting the cornerback for the Bucks on Alan Lazard. He was holding an entire game, bro. It led to a direct pick that changed the game. And that was not called. And it, it just seemed very weird that, again, Tom Brady got preferential treatment. But I've got to say, great teams can overcome the refs. And the Packers just were not a great team overall today. Yeah, not. I think. I think. I think. I think the Bucks were the better team that day. I. I, I mean, I still believe the Packers are a better team, man. Three I picks. Think, three picks. Three, and they got six points off of it. Off of three picks. Yeah, I think that's that's you that's where. And you couldn't make it. And I like. I know yeah. the rest were bad, and people would say the rest were the number one reason why they lost, or Matt Lafleur was, or whatever it was. But that. When it comes down to it, basically, they just couldn't execute and they couldn't overcome the refs. Like the refs, you can be you can use them as excuses. There, there's times where one game that stands out, 2018, the NFC Championship game, it was between the Rams and the Saints, and there was a, a really, really clear and evident PI on Nikhil Roby Coleman of the Rams against, I think it was Traquan Smith, the wide receiver for the Saints, and that one is a no call and the Saints ended up losing the game in overtime. But the thing is, the Saints, they had a chance in overtime. Drew Brees got the ball back, and they could Exactly, the exactly. That's and the same I think thing I was going to say. Aaron yeah. Rodgers, and I don't want to say Aaron Rodgers had a bad game. Aaron Rodgers had his chances, and they couldn't capitalize as a team. I know some people are trying to say you can't keep, you can't keep trying to deflect blame from Aaron Rodgers, but he played a good game. We both said this. He played a good game, and when it came down to it, his, he couldn't get protection. His wide receivers were being held. And he did the best he could. They played it. The, the Aaron game. Jones fumble was big too, man. Aaron yeah. Jones was held out of the game. Actually, he uh, he fumbled the ball twice. Luckily for the first one, uh, there was Robert it, his own team, his Robert Tunyon recovered it, and it was the same type of fumble too. By the way, I, I mean it was kind of sad. The second one, he got hit hard, and uh, he actually got ruled out for the rest of the game. He didn't he didn't play a single snap afterwards. So yeah, losing your Pro Bowl running back does hurt, and. Uh, Definitely, that fumble led to points on the Buccaneers' side. So, uh, yeah, that 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 definitely hurted Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers did have his chances. Three, like you said, three turnovers, uh, three takeaways for the um, Packers defense. Yeah, the, for the Packers defense, and only one touchdown led from that. I mean, I think that's that speaks multitudes, honestly, of how great the Bucks defense played. Shaq Barrett, dude, Shaq Barrett's a monster, man. We said that last year. Shaq Barrett's a monster. Three sacks on the game. Jason, JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, monster on the game. Uh, I mean, do it insane how they performed. Whitehead exactly. had the two mm-hmm. forced fumbles, monster in the game. Devin White I, is a monster who is extremely Devin White. Mon- I, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think the, the defense just stepped up, man. I think that's all you can really say. Coverage in this game was trashed by the Bucks. I think, being dead honest, Sean Murphy bunting, I think he, he legit was holding the whole game. I, I can firmly believe that, and I have no problem uh, – I have no problem, what's it called, uh, backing up that case. I think he was honestly holding the entire game. Even the, that pick Aaron Rodgers had, it was a pass that he held and got into the position of making the pick. It, it was clear as day, and uh, – yeah, man, I think at the end of the day, those BS calls that were made 
for the Buccaneers, I think uh, that obviously changed it and altered the results. But at the end of the day, uh, Matt LaFleur wasn't coaching well. And it, well, I'm not going to say it's only because of that last drive, but I think throughout the game, I just, I just wasn't a fan. I just wasn't a fan of the coaching that was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, the running game needs to get better, obviously. 16 carries for 67 yards on the game. Uh, I think they should, they could have, uh, yeah, honestly, Heike could have just abandoned the run the whole game and they would have been, that would have probably even been better. Um, obviously, you couldn't run the ball a lot when you're down. So that's fair. But uh, great comeback by Aaron Rodgers. They could have capitalized the comeback. So I'm, I'm going to hold him for that. But overall, um, yeah, this is just – I think if you're a Packers fan, this has to be a very, very sad uh, mm-hmm. sad loss. I think As a uh, fan of football, though, I've got to say, I'm happy we got at least one of these games was a truly elite game, and I'm glad that it was this Packers game. And even though the result that I think almost everyone wanted, like no one wanted to see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl, we appreciate his greatness, but we didn't want to see it. But The overall – I, I, I feel game. bad, man. I feel bad, though. Aaron Rodgers – Dude, this is this honestly could this honestly might have been his best chance to win, and it, it definitely you can't you obviously Bakhtiari will be healthy. They they probably will have the same exact team next year too. Uh, probably bring back like Corey Lindsley back. Uh, but I think, dude, I I, I mean. If Aaron now we're gonna get into the next topic of is Aaron Rodgers gonna freaking leave? Uh, we'll probably yeah. talk about that. We can probably talk about that next week. Uh, because next week there's gonna be no games, but the, we'll talk about like the different free agency guys, the, the options that are. I, I think out it's there. definitely something we need to talk about right now, Amal. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a hot topic, man. It's a it's very a hot, hot topic to- right now. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, Aaron Rodgers, right? So Aaron Rodgers is lost his fourth straight NFC championship game. And after this game, the press conference, uh, he was just extremely deflated. And he's, he had comments such as saying like, I, I'm, I'm just pretty gutted after this loss. And he did say like the calls were bad and all that. But at the end of the day, he was just sort of like, he just seemed sort of, he just seemed depressed, like just flat out. I know depressed is a strong word, but he talked about how uh, this quote, word for word quote, almost lots of futures are up in the air and are unknown mine included so and he talked about players like jamal williams aaron jones guys that he really loves on the team that there might not be there and even he even admits i might not be there aaron Rodgers might not be there and i think we've seen a similar situation almost of all in the guy who beat him on the opposite sideline tom brady where he sort of also was like last season he was sort of up in there after he lost in the playoffs sort of like yeah, I mean, my, my future's sort of up in the air. We'll see what happens. My future is unknown. And we saw what Tom Brady did. He went. He was on a team, the Patriots, who were not the best fit for him. They didn't have the best they – have, they did have a good defense, but they didn't put players around Tom Brady on offense. They didn't have the same old line they once had. They didn't have elite wide receivers. They didn't have elite tight ends. They didn't really have playmakers on the offense. And Tom Brady saw that. He's like, I'm an old guy. I've got to, you know, go to a team that will – appreciate me and use me to my fullest potential and he moved to tampa bay and guess what he's in tampa bay he has a i'd say we can almost say an elite offensive line of all in the run game pass blocking game this this offensive line was one of the biggest questions going into the season and they're able to protect tom brady they're able to help him get the ball into his playmakers and he's 
in that in the Super Bowl because of it. He was in the Super Bowl because he realized this relationship with the Patriots is not working out. And even though he, you could say he was the loyal guy, he was the loyal boyfriend. He made he made tons of sacrifices, took less contract money. He, you know, there's lots of things that Tom Brady did where other players like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, they took big paydays. But Aaron, Patrick, Tom Brady was like, no, I'll, I'll, you know. I'll take my L here and my money and to do it so that we can build a better team. He compromised. And after a while, he realized I can't compromise anymore. I've got to move on and find a better life partner. And he moved on and found the better girl with the bucks. And I think Aaron Rodgers could very much learn from that sort of lesson from Tom Brady and the guy on the opposite sideline where he's been on the Packers for so long. And for the longest time, he had an incompetent head coach. He had an incompetent defense and now finally it seems to be working. But at the same time, it doesn't seem to be working because they're capped at the NFC championship game. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like they can't, and, they've been in the same spot too many times, man. And there was one key thing he said that I think I was looking through Packers media and he said something like along the lines of he, where he thanked all the reporters. And it was just sort of like a very somber moment. He was like, I appreciate you guys for doing a great job. And I've seen lots of press conferences and all. And, very rarely does someone sort of thank the reporters at the like the end of the season co- like conference or the, the press conference. And it just seemed very odd that he did that. And again, it might be looking like trying to di- dig into something that might not have anything behind it, but it just seemed like, I don't know. He might have very well played his last snap with the Packers. Like he has leverage. Uh, I'd say he has leverage on the team because he is a great player. If he doesn't want to play, then you've got to get value for him. And I don't know. What What are your quick thoughts on this? Because we we came up with a list of teams where we'd like to see Aaron Rodgers go. And including Green Bay as a total, there are three teams on that list. But I just want to see your, your reaction to the Aaron Rodgers press conference and just sort of the somber mood around him as a whole. Yeah, I think, I think overall, I think – Aaron Rodgers didn't look happy, man. I think that that's the simple fact of it. I think he didn't want to, he didn't want to beat around the bush. Just say, I'm not. I have to regroup. I have to rethink about, look around all my options. I think we may have seen the last of Aaron Rodgers, but I, even if he wants out, it's going to be very difficult for the Packers to get that. Uh, to, to want to move on from him. They could be like the same similar situation with like James Harden where it'll take some time, maybe even play next season with the Packers and uh, get them to realize that. Because I mean, the disrespect that he he's had, man, I mean, you sign the guy long-term, then about a year or two later, you draft Jordan Love. I mean, in the first round, crazy could stuff the there. Backup quarterback and, and then he played his hard out right got I mean he didn't even have a say in the head coach by the way I, that was another problem I had too Matt LaFleur was a brand new head coach that the president of the Packers decided to have and uh just so happened that that was the pride that was the coach Aaron Rodgers had to get with it and um it sucks man I think he could have been way more involved if he was way more involved with the franchise he's a lifetime Packer for sure and I don't think Jordan Love was the pick I think they would have picked a wide receiver, which was the obvious pick. They didn't pick a wide receiver in the, in the draft class at all. I, I, thought, I thought it was just to piss off Aaron Rodgers. Then they realized, okay, we do need a receiver. Let's trade for Will Fuller in the deadline. Then they, the Will Fuller trade falls through. And then um, 
and then now Deshaun Watson, obviously Deshaun Watson would have been pissed, but uh, that trade fell through. The Packers are still in the same position as they were after the deadline. They are still an elite team, number one in the NFC. Bravo. Aaron Rodgers wins MVP. If he didn't play in the MVP level, the the Packers would have probably been like 12, like 11 and five. I think they, that you could probably say that. But Aaron Rodgers played very well. He, he had a great season. One of the best seasons in his career. Wins his third MVP. And uh, when it came to the playoff games, I think Matt LaFleur just, I think the coaching was a problem there. I think uh, he he wasn't given the reins to do what he wants, man. At the end of the day, that was the difference between the Bucks and the and the and the Packers. Tom Brady was was literally chose the team that he wanted. He wanted Antonio Brown. Yeah. Bruce Arians didn't want Antonio Brown. He said it multiple times, even during the damn season. We didn't want Antonio Brown. We don't want that headache, that nonsense. I, I don't want it. Gronk. That's literally Tom Brady's guy. He can call him anytime. Even if he's 45, Gronk's going to come play with him. It, it, it's literally the same. It, it, he chose the shots. He wanted an O-line, got the O-line that he wanted. It got, it, defense mm-hmm. defense stepped up big time. Got got an all-pro wide receiver in Gronk got, uh, and, and uh, A.B. Got one of the greatest tight ends of all time in Rob Gronkowski. Done. The team listened to him. He, the, team listened, the team they, listened they to Tom Brady. To Obviously, the Bucks were already in a shitty situation before that, right? That's fair. Seven and nine. They had already the quarter, a quarterback that led the league in, in quarter and uh, touchdowns fair. So they have to just cope into whatever Tom Brady says. Okay, fine. But the Packers were just there. They were in the NFC Championship game last year. Do you really think their goals? Do you think their goal really was entering into this year? Their goal was just to match their performance. Hell no. They at least if you're gonna go to the Super Bowl, at least okay. If you're finished number two, I'm not gonna cut. I'm not. I'm gonna cut them some slack there. They made it to the same damn spot. I mean, honestly, it's just as bad as the Niners game. At least the Niners game, they got blown out. No chance. Whatever. And that okay. game should have been a lesson of all. The yeah, last year, the 2019 what... NFC Championship game, they got the Packers should have learned from that. They lost 37 to 20, I believe. They got That's a blowout. And they should have realized, you know what? Instead of trying to think about the future, clearly our team is good enough to get here. We just need to exactly. sort of break through the wall, get some help for our quarterback, draft some wide receivers, or you know maybe draft a player who can help us win now. Draft a corner, for God's sakes, who is better than Chandon Sullivan and Kevin King, who are the corners on the Packers. But instead, they, they decided to draft for the future at a time where I think it was their Super Bowl window. Like If any team should have been drafting for the future, it should have been the Saints, right? The New Orleans Saints, where their quarterback was actively falling apart, and he's been falling apart and on the decline for the last two seasons. And even then, they went all in. The last two seasons, they drafted um, Marcus Davenport. They traded up for a pass rusher in the first round to try to help their quarterback and help – capitalize in your Super Bowl window and I feel like the Packers have failed to do that and because of that and that's something that Tom Brady dealt with as well in New England where Bill Belichick had roster control and obviously Bill Belichick is a goat you can't sort of he I mean, picked you Jimmy G's him. second round yeah yeah I mean you can question him but at the same time he's won six Super Bowls but when it comes down to it they didn't let Tom Brady do what he wanted to do and they didn't capitalize on what should have been a Super Bowl window. They went to the future and Tom Brady was like, you know what? I'll leave. And Aaron Rodgers very much could do the same thing. And I think, I think we can, we, we've hampered on, we've ha- hampered. We've talked about this topic a bit, but there's 
a few teams, and I've got three teams total that I think are going to have Aaron Rodgers. First one is going to be obviously the Packers because the Packers currently have all the rights to him. Exactly. Right? But my, <laughs> I think there's two other teams and I can talk, let's talk about your team first. And by your team, I mean, literally your team, yeah, exactly. Indianapolis Colts, yeah. who the Indianapolis Colts, according to spotrack.com, they are second, I think in the league when it comes to cap space, yes, sir. Yep. I think they're, they're second right with they're $68 million. So th- if they wanted to trade for Aaron Rodgers, they could. And, they clearly don't have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Philip Rivers retired. We talked about that last week. And now they have sort of a Kobe Brissett hit free agency. Yep. Yep. They have an opening in the in the quarterback room. And I mean, you can talk about this this Colts team and their strengths, their weaknesses, and why you think they're a perfect fit, because you are the Colts expert. <laughs> yeah. So there's obviously two quarterbacks that come into mind when it comes to the Colts uh this offseason in terms of the trading options, I think. First is obvious. I mean, actually, there's three. There's a bunch, but I mean, realistically, I mean, you have to rule out Deshaun Watson. If the Texans trade uh, with Deshaun Watson, uh, trade us to trade Deshaun Watson to us, I mean, that's like uh, that's like a match made in heaven. But I think they'd be stupid. It's like the Rogers trade getting traded to the Bears. That's a perfect fit. Or Alan the Lions. Robinson. Allen Robinson would stay there in a heartbeat. But come on now, if 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 you if you are you really expecting that? All right, so you can rule out the Bears for the Rodgers, and you can rule out the, the Watson thing for them. Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers are the two ideal fits for the Colts right now, and I'm going to talk about why Rodgers especially is the perfect fit. I think Rodgers, he'll have the best offensive line he's ever had, obviously, and you can see Philip Rivers' numbers, who's playing on his last year. He had the best quarterback. He had one of the best years out of any quarterback right before they retire, man, and uh incredible stuff he he's he looked great and Rodgers is just honestly twice as good as him so just imagine the output there the defense you have a top 10 defense the Packers defense they have good players but they also have really really bad players that for some reason they don't want to replace so maybe if the Packers do listen to the uh Aaron Rodgers this offseason you should stay with the Packers but you have Chris Ballard who's probably if not the best, one of the best general managers in all football. And I'd he say he'd ma- listen to Aaron Rodgers. And he'd 100% listen to Aaron Rodgers. He was listening to Andrew Luck, man. He would do anything right now just for him to come back. But he's he respects him. He, he respected the decision, so he's still off. And even for Phillip Rivers, got the weapons they needed, and they were very competitive in the wild card round. He... He has young receivers. Michael Pittman Jr., I think, is going to have a great season in his second year. T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton had a great second half of the season. I think that's he had a very slow start, but I think he had he, he's going to come back and he'll he'll have a great second second uh a great year with uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course. And I think just I think coaching Frank Reich will listen a hundred percent. He's the quarterback guy. Frank Reich's a he was a quarterback, right? He, he, out of all people, knows that he'll listen to the quarterback. He'll respect anything. And if there's a guy that will go for it on fourth down, Arib, I'm literally listening, talking to you here. If there's a, qu- a guy that will ever go for fourth down, it's Frank Reich. And Frank Reich learned Frank that. Reich. Doug Peterson and Frank Reich learned that from who? Andy Reid. Exactly. That's, that's, that's all I'm trying to say. I think in terms of just pure fit, I think – that that has to be that has to be it man and obviously i think the colts will probably go after another receiver just because i don't think 
Zach Pascal, T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell. Those guys are all like tier three receivers. I think respectfully, they have to be, they're not like stars yet. They're not all stars. They're not a uh, pro bowl caliber, although they have potential to be. T.Y. Hilton was that, and then he's he's now old now. So obviously, I think they would go after like an Allen Robinson or a Kenny Galladay or a Juju Smith-Schuster or that type of receiver during the offseason. But, but like I'm saying, I think that would be the perfect move, I think, uh, in terms of uh, fit. And uh, I know the third team that you do have is uh, his home team. You can probably talk about that. Yeah, and similarly with what you said, where you think that Chris Ballard, the GM of the Indianapolis Colts, would listen to Aaron Rodgers compared to what Brian Gute, I think his name is, is Gutekunst, Gutekunst, uh, who is the GM currently for the Packers, who is obviously not listening to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if you wanted to capitalize on the Super Bowl window, you would have drafted a player who wouldn't be sitting on the bench in Jordan Love. And I just think my dream team would be the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And they made it to the Super Bowl in 2019. And people might say currently, you know what? They have, they have a quarterback already. They have a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo. They're paying him a ton of money, right? And I was like, I thought this as well, but I did some research and they can actually cut Jimmy Garoppolo right now today. And they'd save $23 million in cash base. They could easily afford Aaron Rodgers if they needed to. And they'd only have, I think they'd have zero or they'd only have 2.8 million in dead cap. So nothing which is nothing compared to the $25 million contract that they're currently paying Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you were, if you t- asked me right now, if I would trade Jimmy Garoppolo for Aaron Rodgers, I would do it in a heartbeat without question. I get it. Aaron Rodgers is 37. He's going to be 38 when the next season starts. But when it comes down to it, he's just a far better player. He's a hall of fame player. And Jimmy Garoppolo can't get the best out of this San Francisco's 49ers offense. And also they have an elite and when I say elite, I mean an actual elite offensive mind in Kyle Shanahan, who has in, in the last five years, he's made two of the last five Super Bowls. One is an OC for one of the best offenses I've ever seen in the 2016 Atlanta Falcons. And then another one is a head coach as the 2019 San Francisco 49ers. And similar to Andy Reid, he knows how to get the best out of everything. He knows how to get the best out of literally every single running back who steps foot into that organization, whether it be Jarek McKinnon, whether it be Matt Breida, whether it be the the new guy, I'm forgetting his name. The guy Jeffrey always, Wilson. Uh, yeah, Jeffrey Wilson. The guy who's always hurt now too. Um, who ran Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert. Yeah, like he knows how to get the best out of his running backs. And then he uses all of his wide receivers as not just wide receivers, but offensive weapons. And the lots of dump off paths, lots, lots of very much Kansas Chiefian sort of philosophies, if that's a word. He knows how to get the best out of this team. And thirdly, they have a great defense. They have Nick Bosa, who was hurt. They have Eric Armstead, D Ford, who was another star player who used to play for the Chiefs. They have, I mean, the, the offensive line is good there. Mike, uh, Mike McGinchy, George Kittle's there. Javon Kinlaw, Brandon Ayuk, Fred Warner, who is right up there with one of the best linebackers in the NFL. They're just stacked at every single position of them all. And honestly, this, if without the injuries, this Niners team probably would have made it to the Super Bowl this year. They um, were favorites to make it out of the one. When it NFC. came down to injuries at quarterback, at tight end, uh, pretty much injuries everywhere. But 
like they could easily do they have an offensive mind right they have an offensive mind they can protect Aaron Rodgers they have a great defense which is something Aaron Rodgers currently does not have in Green Bay and fourthly they have a guy in John Lynch who is actually eligible for the Hall of Fame this year as a safety so shout out to him who was a phenomenal player sadly I never got to watch him because he's before my time but John Lynch I think he's another guy who would very much listen to Aaron Rodgers. He would take mine as a player, as sure. I'm sure he knows what a player wants as a former player. And I'm sure he would definitely listen to Aaron Rodgers, which is something we've harped on multiple times that the Packers are not willing to do. And if I were betting money, I would say that Aaron Rodgers would stay in Green Bay this year. But look out, at least in 2022, where I think this Niners team would probably be equally as good, maybe slightly less good because, you know, contracts things go i think like things in the yeah, richard sherman i think is probably going to leave richard sherman might leave retire and another hall of famer right there but when it comes down to it if i had a dream situation i would choose the 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 49ers and the colts yeah. again are very much up there but those are my two favorite teams for aaron Rodgers. and i think when it comes down to it forget the roster talent forget offensive mind forget willing to go for on fourth down they're both teams that were willing to listen for to Aaron Rodgers, and that's just not something that the Chiefs, uh, the Packers, are willing to do. They're not willing to build around Aaron Rodgers and capitalize on a Super Bowl window, and it's just asinine. I'm all that that that's happened. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before. I obviously want him to be on the Colts, but uh, the Niners, not the Niners, I think may even be the more perfect, perfect fit. I think he's he was a born and raised San Francisco 49ers fan. Uh, he was he, he, he was to get grown up there. He was grown up seeing lead saying seeing the Niner Stadium, seeing uh It'd going to the games. Animal. Yeah, seeing Joe Montana, Steve Young, those guys play. But I think just the fact that dude, they're a quarterback away. And I, I'm being I told the Reeb this before before the podcast started. They're a quarterback away from actually I, I genuinely believe this, they would not lose a single game. I don't think they would have. They would lose a single game, barring injuries, of course. But they would not lose a single game if Aaron Rodgers was quarterback of the San Francisco Niners. With the current lineup they have today, there's not a chance they lose <laughs> a single day. George Kittle, I'm as great as Devontae Adams is, um, and Robert Tunyon, I guess. But George Kittle and Aaron Rodgers is a nightmare made in heaven. And We're he's never had a star tight end either. Like, like. It's it's insane. George Kittle and Aaron Rodgers would make it would make diamonds, bro. It's it's insane. I think that that would be nuts. They have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk on the other side too. I mean, and I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted another big body guy. And then if they and they draft another receiver, let's say if they draft um, I don't know Rondell Moore out of Purdue or like a Rashad Bateman or if they somehow maybe get like a Jalen Waddle. If they if Nico they go Collins or another yeah. even third I think what's his name the the guy out of LSU his, I think his name is Terrence Marshall who's a very big bodied six foot four wide receiver which is something that the Niners currently don't have on the outside if they could get something like that and even forget about that they have Kendrick Bourne who is probably better well than, yeah I mean he's better than almost every single Colts wide receiver outside of Pittman and um, Ty so, exactly yeah like, yeah I agree <laughs> I agree with that that's true yeah. Yeah, I, I just think there's a lots of good things that, I mean, there's just the 49ers as a whole. That being said, story though, there, it would be there. I think, like you said, though, I think the difference is that that GM 
Chris Ballard would listen to whatever Aaron Rodgers said. So if Aaron Rodgers saying, yo, get me this receiver, get me that receiver, obviously receiver is a need. We're going to get that damn receiver and we're going to get that same job done. Lynch, and I, I think that's the same that thing well. that's going to happen with John Lynch. Exa- John Lynch, exactly. So if and Kenny can Galladay is hitting the market, Kenny Galladay is hitting the market. If Kenny Galladay, the wide receiver, I mean, Lions. If, I mean, this is just insane. This would probably be the most stacked team of all time. If Kenny Galladay goes to the Niners and somehow they trade Aaron Rodgers too, I mean, like, I, that would like, that would be Megatron Matt Stafford 2.0. Yeah. Like, yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's game over. I that that team's not losing. I I exactly. I'd put I'd put all my money that they wouldn't lose. It, it, it just it, just in general, Kenny Galladay. Even on the Packers, I don't think they would lose a game either. If Kenny Galladay was put on the Packers with Devontae Adams, I I they're they're not losing a game either. But I think it just goes to the fact that Aaron Rodgers just needs he needs control. That's the bottom line baseline of all this conversation. Trading needs to be listened to. He, he, built that, but con- I think control is the main thing here because control, he needs to – Brady controlled the team. I mean, as, as as much as the GM does his job, Brady got the players that he wanted. That's why I'm saying control. Listen to is also true, but he's not even doing that. So I think that's a first step, maybe getting listened to. But he needs that. I mean, the dude is a superstar. He's probably the – he is the best quarterback I have ever seen. And, I mean, obviously, in, in the all-time picture, his, his, his legacy, I should say, definitely hurts that he's lost four straight <laughs> NFC Championship games. But, I mean, the dude is just – he's a remarkable quarterback. He's probably still going to be a remarkable quarterback for the next three, four years. So, if the Niners are – I'd trade anything – in this world just to win another Super Bowl. So I think the Niners or the Colts would definitely do that. So, I mean, I think those are the two fits. We talked about the Rams, obviously, too, but I don't think they'd give up Jared. They'd give up on Jared Goff that easily. Mm-hmm. But if the Rams, the Rams have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, two elite receivers, two great receivers. I don't know about elite, but two great receivers. They have a, the best defense in football. That's another great fit. Obviously. So, I mean, it's just, there's, I think right now, if you're not Deshaun, I mean, Deshaun Watson's probably, he's on the trade block, obviously. So, um, unless, unless you're the, I, I think the only teams that don't really need a quarterback are the Chargers. Um, the Chargers don't need one because of Herbert. I, I think the Bengals don't need one. I think the Jags are going to draft Trevor Lawrence, so you can rule that one out. The Jets are going to draft someone the ja- to stay with the, J- the Jets are probably going to draft either Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or keep Sam Darnold. So it's definitely going to be one of those options. So the Jets are ruled out. Or they trade for Deshaun Watson, so the Jets are ruled out. I think the Jets will have their quarterback situation figured out, and it won't be Aaron Rodgers. So you can rule out the Jets. Um, Bills, you can obviously rule out. The Chiefs, you can rule out. The Seahawks, you can rule out. And um, honestly speaking, I think outside of those, interesting, but and they, and they um, money for it. and the Bucks are ruled out because they have Tom Brady. Outside of those eight teams, there's 30 teams, and then there's 32 teams, right? Out of those, outside of those eight teams, Reeve, just a lot, just genuinely speaking, the rest of the 24 should target uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think you have to because the dude is just too mm-hmm. too good. He's simply. On another level, man. I, I, I mean, best quarterback I've ever. He's watched. the best quarterback ever. I, I mean, if okay, Tannehill's playing great. If Tan, if Rodgers was on, is on the Titans. Just saying, like, 
even Tannehill's a good quarterback, but you have to double think, you have to rethink your quarterback situation when you're having the best quarterback in the football in football right now. On the on market. market, and he's exactly. not on the market currently. I'd bet money he doesn't. Yeah, I, I mean, if, I, I think, but I think, if I, I were Rodgers, I yeah. would internally. This is just something we both think that he would be feeling inside that he would want to be moved. He's um, already said he wouldn't. He won't stay. He won't stay. I think after and his he contract, says he won't end his career with the Packers. Yeah, I, I, I think he, I think, uh, his contract expires in what four years, five years. I feel bad that guy got screwed of that contract, but uh. He, he's there for five years, right? Five more years, four more years? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, that's basically till he's like 42. But um, I doubt he'll stay the rest of that. But mm-hmm. if he does, if he's there for that long, he, he's going to have like the Brady, the last last two years like Brady on another team. Um, but yeah, I think that that's that's just the gist of that situation. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, There's a lot of things. There's a couple news items we can talk about. And also... I think for a Super Bowl preview, I think we can do a brief overview, maybe like our quick predictions. But I think next week is where we should have a deep Super Bowl dive as as because there's probably not going to be that much news. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's just some quick news that happened um, relating to head coaches being hired. The Eagles have hired former OC, Colts OC, uh, Nick Sirianni as their new head coach. And he was actually, he landed in Philadelphia today. And honestly, when it comes down to it, I think, there's lots of things, lots of weird conflicting emotions about this as an Eagles fan. Lots of people think that he was hired because he could be controlled by the owner and head coach, Jeffrey Lurie and Hire Roseman. And that's, that's probably true. That's, that's probably a fair true. testament. But <laughs> I think at the same time, they wanted someone who was willing to work with quarterbacks and try to get the best he could out of them. And we've seen Nick Sirianni do that with multiple quarterbacks. And I mean, the, the, the best year that Carson Wentz ever had was with Frank, uh, Frank Reich who was the head coach of the the Colts. And they just hired his number two man, his higher, his highest up, his deputy, if you will, in Nick Sirianni to replace him and tr- try to get the best you can out of Carson Wentz. And even if he doesn't get the best out of, out of Carson Wentz as he can, he'd probably try his best with Jalen Hurts. And I'd be willing to bet he'd be somewhat successful to say the least. So I'd say overall, as an Eagles fan, I'd like this hire. I think they need to get a good, sort of coaching tree put around him and they have drafted another Colts guy actually um forgetting the the guy they hired uh, Mike Gannon Mike Gannon who as DC and I've heard he's the D, former DB's coach I believe for the Colts and he did a pretty good job with Xavier Rhodes Justin Blackman I believe and a lot of those other corners in uh Oklahoma, not Oklahoma Indianapolis so yeah, overall, I John think, Gannon, Jonathan Gannon, my Jonathan bad. Gannon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, overall, I'd say I'm decently happy with this hire. When it comes down to it, would I have Doug Peterson or Nick Sirianni? I would pick Doug Peterson, but awesome. this isn't a vacuum. And Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, who are clearly, I think you can see, you can say, way too over involved in the organization and put, putting their hands in places that their hands should not be in. But seeing as that's just the sad reality of the Eagles at the They're in the position of they need to keep their franchise quarterback in Carson Wentz. I think that, yeah. that was the ultimate goal this offseason. They wanted to find a coach that believed in Carson Wentz. And if the real situation was if nobody <laughs> believed in Carson Wentz, then uh, then obviously the trade route would happen for him. But I think uh, with Nick Sirianni, I think hopefully the goal here was, is uh, he brings back that old Wentz and – 
that all once is brought brought back, I mean that that Eagles team has high potential of making a making a shot at winning that division and a deep playoff front. But I and think building. Yeah, Basically. but I think but I think I think you can't if 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 once doesn't if Nick Sirianni doesn't turn around once, I think once will be he, I think and they will move on. Yeah. I think more than anything, Amal, more than anyone fixing Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz has to realize that this season he was part of the issue. He probably wasn't the biggest problem. I'd still say that's Harry Roseman, but on the field, he was the biggest issue. Exactly. He's got to take accountability. He's got to realize, hell, you know what? I was playing pretty shitty this season, and I've got to do my best to, and I've got to do everything in my power to take accountability. It's Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers throws a pick. Or if they have a bad game, they take accountability and they realize they got to get better at the game. Patrick Mahomes, well, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have bad games usually, but in just in general, these great quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks, they take accountability for bad games and they're willing to build upon their failures and better themselves as a player. And we haven't seen Carson Wentz done that. We've seen him rather go the opposite direction where he's completely almost lacking accountability. He's not willing to say that he's the problem and he's not willing to improve on things that he should be improving on as an NFL quarterback. And bottom line, it's not on Nick Sirianni. This is on Carson Wentz to improve uh, his, I guess, improve his, his stay with the Eagles and improve sort of his play and help bring this franchise back to the, the great, that the greatness that they were at merely three seasons ago. Um, Hopefully that Nick Sirianni rub off on Frank Reich works out. I mean, it's Hopefully. crazy that uh, Doug Peterson was the man to keep Frank Reich in Philly. If Frank Reich wasn't in Philly, Frank Reich would never be a head coach in this league ever because that Super Bowl run wouldn't happen without Frank Reich. And Frank Reich, probably if he if he got fired there, yeah, he'd probably still be an OC at mm-hmm. max. Yeah, I don't think he would have ever gone and been a head coach ever. And I don't think the Eagles would ever win a Super Bowl because <laughs> yeah. I'm being dead. I, 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 I mean, Frank Reich wasn't the biggest contributing. Obviously, he wasn't the biggest. Yeah, the, yeah it's just the minor. It's the minor. It's the minor yeah, exactly. to like or somewhat major. You need everything pieces. to go right to win a Super exactly. Bowl. And Frank Reich had a part in that. And if you take away that part, however small or bigger it was, exactly, it's that's like saying it's like saying if Zach Ertz wasn't playing, the Eagles aren't going to win this. Oh, well, that's obvious, right? It's just stuff, small stuff like that. Alshon Jeffrey not playing, they're not going to win this. It's even that's Torrey what I'm saying. Smith not playing, like even those Tor- big, like those, like it's it doesn't matter your role to win a Super Bowl. You've got to be perfect, and exactly, Eagles team was, and that's what gave Frank Reich the opportunity to do this. Um, Super Bowl time, Kansas City Chiefs at Bucks. I want to do like a really short rundown on this because I think we can dive into this game, all the little facets, all the little technical things that we could definitely talk about next week. But the Chiefs are going into Tampa Bay and this technically isn't a home game, but it's the first time that I think a team has ever hosted the Super Bowl in their own hometown. And Tampa Bay has, I mean, they're going to stay in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl, essentially. They're going to host it. First no, time officially. And yeah, I mean, honestly, if I'm just betting, I think I'd go with the Buccaneers because what the Bucs did on defense against the Packers Home was team. impressive. And the Bucs did face the Chiefs uh, this season and they were really bad early on in that game, but they're able to rebound and they made it a game and they almost ended up winning late in that game. They're able to adapt to Patrick Mahomes and whatever that offense was doing, especially with Tyreek Hill, who I think had 280 yards, 250 yards, something like that, that game, he was able to, they able to, they were able to keep him in check the second half. And that was what allowed them to rally and come back. And I think 
honestly, if that game was longer or more, like longer than 60 minutes, the Bucks would have won that game. Like if you add another quarter, the Bucks probably would have won that first matchup. And I think just 2.0, we've seen Tom Brady had a rematch against the Saints. He won. He had a rematch against the Packers. He won. I think he's going to have a rematch against the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's going to win. All right, so I think uh, – so betting men, obviously, I think betting-wise, Bucks are probably safer too. But uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs here. I'm going to take – I think the Chiefs are going to win. But you obviously can't bet on bet against Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the man. He, he's done it. He, he's done it too many times. Uh, if he wins the seventh one, that'll be major too. But I think the major thing here is I think the Chiefs are a better team. I think the Chiefs have a better it's, – it's very close between the Chiefs and, and, and Bucks offense. And I'm saying that because if A.B. comes back, I think A.B. will be back for the Super Bowl considering he was just ruled out uh, this past week. I think in two weeks he, – he'll he's, he's questionable right now, but I think Antonio Brown uh, will play in the Super Bowl. Um, Crazy that Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown are both going to be playing in the Super Bowl on opposite teams. I think that's that's just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. I'd always expect them that they'd be on the Steelers playing for the Super Bowl. Um, but besides that, I think I just I just think Patrick Mahomes is going to show up and play. And I think the X factor and honestly Super Bowl MVP. We're going to talk about this obviously next week. But I think even Super Bowl MVP prediction. I can already put it out. Tyreek Hill. I think he's going to really he's going to step up. He's going to Sean Murphy, Sean, I think Murphy Bunting has to hold his, for his dear life in order for him to stop. Uh, <laughs> he has, he has to Carlton hold on Davis, to Carlton Davis. Yeah. Those, those guys, Davis. they're going to get turned all the way. Like, if Tyreek Hill runs a slant, it's GG's bro. I, who's and Carlton Davis is a good DB. He's a he good is, he, he is a good DB. He's a very, he is a good DB. I mean, obviously the trash talk between him and Michael Thomas is stupid. Michael Thomas is irrelevant anyways, right now. That dude is a nobody as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Michael Thomas is just as fraudulent as a wide receiver as as anybody in NFL history. I think that that dude, I don't know what happened with him this year. He's he can claim that he's gotten to these injuries. So what? I mean, the dude did nothing. I hope he proves me wrong. Uh, with not Drew Brees, but with whoever the future QB is. But regardless, I think I think I think Tyreek Hill is going to be an X factor here in this game. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and I think that offense just gets the job done. And Tom Brady, I think we say that uh, we saw a little bit in the second half about how the age was a factor. He just threw some wild pit, wild throws that didn't make any sense. And I think Josh Allen's a better quarterback than Tom Brady today. So, and if if Josh Allen couldn't have that type of game, and he had Stephon Diggs as his target, and um, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, I think, I think. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Chris Godwin is probably I think I don't know who's even better. I think they're both around the same caliber as receiver too. But uh those guys I think I think Diggs is or Diggs is better than those guys. I think it's close, but I think I'd still have I'd have Stephon Diggs. But mm-hmm. even there, they held Diggs pretty well. Um I'm just more confident with the Chiefs, man. But you can never bet against Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So it'll definitely be an interesting game. Brady, uh, Brady against Mahomes. If if uh, if the Chiefs win here, this will uh, be the first back-to-back Super Bowl winning uh, team since Tom Brady. So that would be a that would be something for sure. And this is the first Super Bowl matchup as well between uh, the previous two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. So that's going to be 
it's another fun fact there for you guys but yeah that's good it's definitely going to be an interesting game and we'll probably get more into it we'll definitely get more into it next week and we'll probably even have an opportunity to give a chance to make our full full on predictions i just gave a little bit of it but a tidbit just a little snippet of what's to come in the future um yeah you got anything else to say before we head out of here yeah, um, nothing else really. We didn't really talk about Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford requesting a trade. I think that, that was probably the major news, I think, of this week. That, uh, Honestly, let's Stafford just talk requested. about that right now. Why yeah, not? I think I think that's probably that's probably the only major news, I think. Uh, yeah, that's and then Dan Campbell hiring, but I think that's stuff you don't even really need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, go for I mean, it. We can skim over that real quick. Dan Campbell got hired for the Detroit Lions and he came out and he had a pretty pretty passionate rant almost about eating biting kneecaps and all that and lots of people were saying he's not he's not fit to be a head coach and all that but honestly I just see someone who's very passionate about football and someone who's more of a football guy than he is a, a verbal guy and uh, that's just my take on it I, I've got to watch his press conference and I've got to see what he is but I, th- I think he's setting a strong sort of mentality and a foundation and trying to set a football culture there in Detroit, which hasn't been there since, since forever. In all honesty, like I don't think they've ever had a culture. <laughs> um, yeah, well said. So yeah, that's just my take on that one, real quick. Yeah, I, I mean, I have nothing else to really say. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't know that. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know that much about him. Uh, but yeah, we can move on to, I guess, the major news. Uh, Matt, Matt Stafford has yep. officially said that uh, he he is a uh, they will part ways and they will seek a trade trade partner, and. Uh, They've said, I think Matt Stafford has his eyes clear as day on Indy. That's a report that was made by Jeremy Fowler. And the Niners. And the Niners. Those are the two teams. The same two teams we talked about for Aaron Rodgers, I think you can say for Aaron Rod, uh, Matt Stafford, because I think both of us were very high on Matt Stafford. I think you particularly even more. You made a video why the Lions shouldn't trade Matt Stafford. But I think mm-hmm. now you can see now they that have to. And now they, they have, have to. for him. They have to do it for him. Now it was for the franchise. No, you have to trade it for him because I think Matt Stafford will go down as one of the most underrated quarterbacks of all time. And it's sad because Matt Stafford's never had a top 10 O-line. Matt Stafford's never had a top 10 defense. Matt Stafford has not, I mean, Matt Stafford hasn't had a top, hasn't, has never had a thousand yard rushing running back. I mean, Matt Stafford has only had a hundred yard rushing running back one time in a game. And that was DeAndre Swift. So I can't, I can't rest, I can't really say say this enough. But Matt Stafford needs help, man. And he had all the help in the beginning of his career with Megatron, but Megatron didn't have. They didn't have a defense then. Um, they didn't have a. T- uh, they haven't had a. They, good they didn't team. have a team. They didn't have a team outside of that duo, man. They they had Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is always reliable. Sure, he is actually reliable. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie. But I think uh, beast in his own regard. they had Golden Tate as well. Golden Tate was also a reliable. But um, they've outside, had wide those, receivers for him, but they've never but had a outside, team. But they never had a team, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think if Matt Stafford was on the Niners, subtracting Jimmy G, that team is probably going to go like 13 and 3, 14 and 2 in the regular season, barring injuries again. I think that team is stacked as well. If he's on the Colts, Colts, what went low at 11 and 5 this season? I think they go 12 and 4. I think that's realistic. And it's just the fact that I think. I, I think Matt Stafford's just that he's just that good, man. I think he's, he's a star quarterback for sure. I don't know if he's, I'd say top there. 10. he's top 10. I think he's probably in the, in, he's probably the board, uh, 
border of like eight to 10. I think you could definitely say that, man. And um, I like, I think the same thing for Aaron Rodgers. I think you have to relook your quarterback situation if you're looking at Matthew Stafford, because I think this guy, uh, he's still relatively young. I think he's what, 32. Um, so I think, yeah, he's, I mean, you could definitely build a team for him. You can like, build a team for him for now. And I think, decade, and obviously you don't have to trade it as much. I think he's probably worth what, maybe a first, maybe two first, maybe. But I think uh, that's probably around what his value is, depending on mm-hmm. how how much need how much in need are you of him. Agreed. But um, yeah, I think I think those are the those two teams make the most sense, and I think those are the only two teams that make sense. So uh, yeah, because I mean, Matt Stafford's in he's he's in a winning he's in a win now mode, right? So I think those are the only teams that can do it. Obviously, the Saints can do it, but the Saints can't. Uh, they have no, they have no assets to give. So, and they're they and have cap. negative one hundred million dollars in cap space. So, <laughs> the Saints, <laughs> the Saints would be my dream. The Saints are screwed. Every single quarter, they're screwed. Yeah, they're they screwed. can't. Do, they are screwed because they pay morons like Michael Thomas twenty million dollars a year. I've That's done what. some of the math of all, and I think there's no way for them to get underneath the the cap or over the cap. I guess you could say, or yeah, underneath the cap without getting rid of multiple players, like. It's just flat. They've got to get rid of players. Will they They've be able to re-sign Jameis? I don't even know. Like the, it's just the whole situation there. It's crazy. There's a win now scenario for Drew Brees, and they could never get it done. And now they're they're facing the brunt of that. But Matt Stafford, Indy, um, San Francisco. Those are the two spots. Um, anything else you want to say before we head out of here, Mo? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, it's just very small things. Marquise Pouncey, nine-time Pro Bowler, probably oh, the retiring, best center. Yeah probably the best center of my lifetime. Uh, actually, I think Jeff Saturday was, I'd take that back, but one of the best centers of all time um, has chosen to retire and all former all pro tight end uh, Greg Olson has also chosen to retire. I think Greg Olson's had a hell of a career. I think you can make an argument. He's top 10, top 15, all time tight end. Uh, he, a great career. Marquise Pouncey, definitely a top 10 center of all time. The, the dude the dude is a cornerstone for that uh pittsburgh steelers franchise so i mean greg olson was with, with when he was with the bears and then he moved to the seahawks he moved to a bunch of teams at the end of the day panthers but i mean two great two great legends both i expect will will be in canton one day yeah shout out to those guys and shout out to a lot of players who have retired jeff saturday one of them that you mentioned um no, Anthony Costanzo, I think, was the one. Okay, retired, Anthony right? Costanzo retired. He retired. Yep. I mean, lots of players Phil retired. Rivers, of course. Shout out to all yeah. those, those legends. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got to say for me. Episode 52 of this Flea Flicker NFL show. Pretty good episode, in my opinion. Pretty humble opinion as well. Um, thanks for listening to episode 52, and peace out. Bye. Adios.